Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Today's episode, we're going to be going over our NFL Week 15 review with my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Benny. What's popping? What's popping? We are recording this Saturday afternoon before the Patriots and Colts game gets underway. I'm going to touch briefly on them um, and, and you know, go over our usual schedule of events here for the pod. Going to keep it rolling. Connor and I, we took a little bit of a hiatus on some of the stuff, just the nature of the holiday season life. And I got sick. My voice, it, it sucks when you're trying to record a podcast and your voice just can't make it through the end. So, um, you know, got my booster shot yesterday and, you know, feeling a lot more healthy. So that's, that's always a bonus. The, um, the, the last week or so, the last couple of weeks, we've started to get a lot of teams separating themselves. Um, it's kind of been the stories of, you know, which teams are positioning themselves best for the playoffs, which ones are going to be separating them, themselves from the rest of the pack. And we're finally starting to get some realization of, uh, I would say in the NFL, just the, the teams that are, are going to be there at the end. And we now kind of have a list of like five to six teams that are, are eligible for possibly you know, win the Super Bowl this year. And for a while it was really wide open. It still is for the most part, but we you know, we, we have, you know, 14 weeks under the belt and we got data to analyze and we're doing a lot better and, you know, predicting a lot of the, uh, the outcomes with these games now, because of the fact that we have so much, you know, data and, you know, stats available to us to analyze. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a good, a, a good season for us here at all things analysis, I, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think it's so crazy wide open though, in the end, because, some of these teams are super streaky. So if you look at our power rankings, we still have the bills at like ninth overall, but would you be shocked if Josh Allen just caught fire? And that's certainly within his skill set. And that team went on a streak knowing that, you know, they they've done it before, you know, gone into the playoffs and played really well. I wouldn't be. So if you consider that like a team that low in our ranking still has super bowl potential, it's pretty fun, pretty fun yeah. year competitive yeah. to the end. I would I wouldn't put too much argument against that. I think you're you're right. Where just this is one of a rare seasons is where the 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 parity around the league is pretty shocking and it's 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 at a good point right now. I mean, we look at some of these teams at the top, like specifically the Arizona Cardinals. They're a team that not a lot of people really foresaw a season like this coming, especially with you know Cliff Kingsbury being one of the you know least thought of coaches just from a public perspective. You know, a lot of people weren't high on him uh, coming to this year, and he is a prime candidate for coach of the year this season. He's looking like he's in a good spot for that. If the Cardinals could win that division, if they were to, you know, get like a second or third seed, he'd be he'd be in in the running for that. I'm, I'm still a guilty guilty fan of uh, you know the, the Belichick fan the Belichick run for coach of the year too. So it's been uh, back and forth all season, and like I said, with 14 weeks now, we we got a good idea. I would say a good grasp of the ident- the identities of most of these teams um, and, you know, looking forward to the final stretch of the year and specifically the first week of fantasy football playoffs now too. So we'll touch about, we'll touch on, uh, you know, some of the advice we got for fantasy for this week as well. A lot of pressure on the line. This is a big week for, for some fantasy football suggestions and predictions. So uh, yeah, a lot of pressure on us, Ben. We better uh, make this a great pod. <laughs> no pressure, buddy. No pressure. Connor, I'm got, sweating. I'm sweating over here. Before we dive in too deep, I got to tell you, Connor has been getting into some very taboo fantasy football practices lately. He has gone. He's gotten some some 
you know, bug or he's gotten like a propensity to start texting and messaging people basically like reverse jinxing his team. It's kind of, he's, he's, he's <laughs> in the vein of like saying that a pitcher is throwing a no hitter in the seventh inning and it's just jinxing the hell out of him at this point. Like he did it to me a couple of weeks ago and I almost didn't want to bring it back on the podcast. Texted me like, Oh, g- good win, man. You beat me. You, and we had, I had Kareem hunt going up against the Ravens. And I was up by like six or seven points. And he had Mark Andrews. I was like, you SOB. I was like, you just reverse jinxed it. And I, I will, I won't forgive you for that. And we didn't talk for a few days after that. And I got to I got to tell you, Connor, Connor has, you know, gotten some bad habits here from a fantasy football perspective, just the ethics of his, his decisions with some of this stuff. He, he, it's That's not a one-off example. There have been a few over the last couple of weeks and he's got to tighten his shit up. I got to tell you. <laughs> well, the voodoo has been working because I did finish as the top scoring team in our league and the number one team overall <laughs> in our league of record, uh, 14 teams. So how does it feel uh, to have that been doing on your back, buddy? How does it feel to just have that giant target right on your back? It's nice to know I'm safe this week, uh, earning the buy. But yeah, I know everyone's going to gear up. I'm basically the Kansas City Chiefs going into the playoffs, you know, as they were coming into the regular season, just kind of the team to knock off of their pedestal at this point, which is quite frightening. I know everybody's going to give a, a little bit of extra attention when they go up against my roster. Yeah, no, no more of that reverse juju jinxing shit, man. No more of that. I, I, I can't, I won't stand for it. I'm a baseball purist and that type of shit doesn't fly in our sport. I don't know how you do it over here in fantasy football sometimes, but for me, it just, it it rubbed me the wrong way. I got to tell you, and I I don't want any more of that. All right. Hey, I I play the analytics. ESPN was saying that I was going to lose on a percentage basis. Oh, you know, and I, I feel like that's the way it's going to go. This, this, uh, these playoffs as well, you know, odds are I probably won't win. So no reason to build it up in my head. He's doing it again here in the podcast. Podcast. What? <laughs> it again right now. He just he just slipped that in. You just got an example of that right here on the podcast. Jesus Christ, man! Keep it keep it in your pants. All right. <laughs> I can't help myself. I can't help it. All right, boy. Let's uh, <laughs> let's dive into our first segment here. Vicious players of the week, Connor. Who do you want to kick it off with? Who has been most impressful impressing you? Over the last week or so, are there a team, a player, players? What's been going on and uh, what's impressed you? I, I got I to gotta start it off with my guy, Travis Kelsey, with just the unbelievable performance. Uh, one of the huge reasons they beat the Chargers on Thursday night, um, Kansas City Chiefs, that is. And Kelsey was a guy a lot of people were writing off. He, he had a few down weeks in a row. He was no longer the number one scoring fantasy tight end, which he has been for the uh, past five seasons running. An extremely impressive run. I think, you know, he, he was starting to hear some of the whispers, and including my own. I texted you at halftime, Kelsey's washed because he had like four for 40 or something like that. And, of course, he, he slapped me in the face and uh, every other analyst out there that was talking shit about him. He, he cemented his status as the number one fantasy tight end, likely, um, by the end of the year, unless uh, Mark Andrews can can do something crazy. Or, which, or which Kittle is just keeps up realm. what he's been doing the last two weeks. <laughs> exactly. But, but Kelsey said, you know, shut the hell up to all of his doubters and put up 10 for 190 and two and and ultimately the game-winning touchdown so travis kelsey you are my vicious player of the week and uh congrats yeah 
Yeah, man, the uh, the the NFL next gen stats on him in that last game are pretty impressive. I'm, I just pulled him up. He had an average uh, separation of three point two yards on his routes. I mean, he's he's right there with Tyreek Hill. And Ty- Tyreek Hill, how much how much faster is is Tyreek Hill than Kelsey? I mean, when you get compared to a guy like that at the tight end position, it's pretty impressive. He he, he had thirty three point nine five percent of the team's air yards target uh targeted air yards last week 10 receptions 13 targets 191 yards two touchdowns he averaged 10 and a half yards per reception he was 5.9 yards uh, yards after the catch above expectation so basically that measures you know when you catch the football what do they expect you to get with the, you know the yardage and he had he averaged 5.9 extra yards after each catch the guy is uh, still bona fide number one tight end in the league. And he's right there with, you know, Gronk in terms of just like the impressiveness and of the run that he's on. Legacy, yeah. Yeah, I would still contest Gronk's the greatest tight end of all time. But he's, if uh, he puts up maybe three more years than another Super Bowl, it's going to be tough to talk yeah. out, talk him yeah. down out of that spot as the top tight end receiving wise. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, an elite group of like Kelsey, Gronk, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, maybe. I mean, Mike Dicka had a couple of good years. Um, I really think it's those top three, though. But, yeah, you had runs with, you know, Jimmy Graham had seasons, but they, they just didn't have the longevity of career. Yeah. And uh, Antonio Gates kind of gets considered sometimes. But, yeah, in terms of, you know, we're looking at the, the best tight ends of all time. Kelsey's in that conversation. Yeah. It's pretty- I, I just don't think Gates was like ever considered the best tight end in while, during his career while yeah. he was playing, you know? And well, so it's tough Gronk to like playing most of that career too. Exactly. But I just remember like, you know, in fantasy, it was never like, Oh, okay. Antonio Gates is the number one fantasy tight end. You should draft him this year. There were always other guys that were performing better than him. Yeah. I think he was consistently like a top five for his entire, you know, for a lot of his career, which is why at the end, uh, at the end of the day, his, his stats hold up, but he never really was like, overly excellent to the to the point where you know kelsey is yeah or right. even kittle yeah it's a worthy it's a worthy vicious player and uh kelsey is, is definitely a guy that a lot of fantasy owners are hoping that they have him on their rosters and connor is one of those guys so another another jab at connor I'm not a big fan of his fantasy antics lately he's just uh too good for <laughs> his own his own good so uh, we got to bring him down off his pedestal all right, vicious player of the week for me, Green Bay Packers. The Packers are really slingshotting into the elite echelon of the NFL right now. This regular season run that they're on with Coach Matt LaFleur, I believe they lost only three games in the regular season um, in each of the last two, and they're on pace for another season in that same vein. You know, before has an unbelievable regular season record now, you know, in that same kind of discussion with regular season performance with the Patriots and their dynasty run with, with Tom Brady, they're really turning into a juggernaut of a regular season team. And with the one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, it's about time that the Packers, you know, really place it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that the, the counter is, is not, is not the fact that they're not trying to win a Super Bowl this year because it is their last season with Rodgers in all likelihood. So this is a, an important season for them and they're really making a push at the right time. You know, they're second in EPA per play on offense over the last five weeks. That offense is really ticking. Rogers would probably be an MVP candidate if he didn't just, you know, really upset a lot of the media and had so many. If he wasn't a dick. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the off the off field issues with him, I've been what's really bringing anchoring his MVP run his MVP candidacy. I mean, he's second in EPA plus composite, um, 
completion percentage over expectation. And, you know, the only one ahead of him is Kyler Murray. It's a, a pretty uh, ind- indicative of advanced statistic, you know, 0.166 with Rodgers. He's been an excellent advanced stat guy. He's been an excellent, you know, tr- true stat guy. He missed a game or two. He missed one game, right, I think, with, with COVID. And, um, yeah, a couple, he, yeah. He's, uh, you know, still one of the NFL's best best quarterbacks. And he is a worthy player, a vicious, vicious player of the week. Green Bay Packers are really slingshining up. You know, they've, they've earned the one spot in a lot of power rankings across media. We have the, the Buccaneers at, at, at our first place spot, I believe, right, for all, all things analysis. But the Packers are, are, you know, close close behind and kind of in that. Upper. I have them at three. You have met two. So. Yeah, a lot, a lot of places have the Packers at one. So there's, um, you know, a case to be had for that. And they're a team that is, you know, one of the hottest in football right now. They they got off to a, a scary start against the Bears last week. You know, the Bears looked like they were giving them a run for their money and quickly became just the Aaron Rodgers show. And, and he, Aaron Rodgers still owns stock in Chicago. And uh, he, he, you know, completely put... I own you. I own you. <laughs> the 45-30 the victory was impressive. And, you know, yeah. something bounced their way, but that's just kind of how the football rolls sometimes. And packs, the, the pack, go pack, go. They've been, uh, they've been killing it lately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll, you'll see that's why <laughs> the public money this week is on, on the Packers, as we talked about earlier. Probably not, no need to really talk about that game because 91% of the public is on their side of the bet. So, you know, we're, we're, I think we feel similarly. Yeah. All right. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. This is one of my favorite segments of the week. You know, the, the guy that we get to talk about the guys that have just been most embarrassing and, and killing us and it throughout this, the, uh, the week and the, the biggest disappointments over the last you know week or so, who is the guy you want to kick it off with? I mean, there's, there's really one choice and that <laughs> yeah. it's urban Meyer. I, I couldn't even hold myself from laughing. I mean, what, what a shit stain uh, that he left horrible job coaching on all the different stories that have come out about him berating players, physical contact with players just completely inappropriate um you know the the video of him at the bar not going back with his team and dancing with another woman which wasn't his wife and and just the way that he's overall running the organization just like he was better than everybody else which you can't do at the professional level that that team really never had a chance to, uh, to succeed and i really hope that he hasn't done any permanent damage to trevor lawrence's career you know so much potential coming out of the league and then to get stuck in this type of shit situation um so the narrative is that the the jags are free james robinson is free i think they might win this week and that's at least i'm hoping for the narrative probably not going to put money on it but it's a fun storyline and one to watch and you know thank god that um the the owner shod khan i want to say yeah finally got rid of uh, urban meyer urban meyer you are killing me smalls you've been killing this team the whole season and uh yeah flush you down the toilet bye bye it's uh it's a historic firing. Did you know that he is the first head coach, first year head coach to get fired before the end of the season in the NFL system? Wow. Yeah. Did you hear how he left too? He didn't even say a word to the team. <laughs> didn't say a word to the assistant coaches, just, just left. <laughs> and so the coaches are like, okay, well, where's urban? We got to run the, you know, the game plan, run through the rest of practice. And he's just gone. They didn't yeah. even know. Supposedly he just left after the practice. The, the day before he got fired and he just didn't come back. What he a scumbag. What a scumbag. The the story with, with Josh Lambeau too, the, the, the Jaguars ex kicker. That was, an, that was a shocking story. I mean, where he just, he kicked him. He was like, 
make your kicks, kick jackass. Like he just kicked the kicker. I said, make your kicks, jackass. Like, and, a, and like the, the whole thing was like last week where, you know, if there's a leak in this building, we'll, we'll find him and that person will be fired. And then Lambo's like, well, I'm already off the team. So F this, you know, I was going to keep quiet, but screw it. You're, you're, you're instigating this whole story. Lambo comes out and, and, and says his two cents and, it was uh, not a good look for good old Urban Meyer. I, I mean, I've, I have my doubts that he even makes it back to the college world at this point. He has really stained his reputation in a negative way. And, um, you know, Final nail in the coffin for sure. It, it sucks that it impacts so many, you know, tertiary factors too. You know, his, his daughter came out on Twitter trying to like defend his, her dad. I mean, good for her trying to stick up for her, but you know, God bless her. Her dad really fucked this, fucked this, this situation up. And he is rightfully, you know, lost his job now in Jacksonville. And, you know, like you said, hopefully they could turn it around there. They have a lot of young talent that you'd hate to get, see get spoiled. If, uh, you know, Shotcon has, his work cut out for him to bring in a new coaching staff and, and bring in someone who could implement some culture that you can be proud of there. And uh, it's a, it's a lot of work, a lot of work ahead of them. And it's, I think it's going to take, you know, the, the perfect hiring to be able to turn that, that situation around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, c- calling players by their positions and not their name and n- never like bothering to learn their names. And you know, these are professionals are pl- doing a job. They're, they're they're plenty. Trying to plenty. bring in a racist assistant coach yeah. who was fired Tim from Tebow. his college job just the off the thing. Tim T. Yeah, I mean, I was off the start. It's just been poor move after poor move. And so good to see him gone. Josh Lambeau was the fourth, historically the fourth most accurate kicker in the league through his five seasons. And, and he, you know, he got booted from the team and Irvin Meyer immediately hated him. James Robinson had one of the best rookie seasons and yet they drafted a running back in the first round to replace him and they don't use him at all this year. They just like, it's so stupid. And it's, it goes beyond just like the things he was doing that are horrible. That made him a bad person. He was frankly just a bad coach too. The decisions on the field too were horrible. So hopefully this team is, is not only freed from a, a, a negative person, a negative personality and someone damaging people's mental health, but also somebody who was damaging the team's outcome likely. Yeah. And this story, this story has been exhausted to all ends and it's, it's finally good. That's behind us. And hopefully the Jaguars can move on. All right. My, we'll my, see you tomorrow. Yeah. Well, my, you're killing me smalls. It, it's kind of just the entity of the storyline of just the NFL and the COVID situation. Professional sports is for me. I, it's, you know, I, I'm not like the biggest, I don't watch the news on a daily basis. I don't like, I'm not completely like in the vein of politics and, and I don't follow like every single public storyline. So for me, like the COVID news, when it first came out, like, you know, when this, there was this pandemic or this virus that was affecting tons of uh you know the world the first kind of taste or like the first worry that i had to to you know the the covid scared years a year or two ago was through professional sports the lens of professional sports you know that night when the nf the nba shut down games with the you know the dallas mavericks and i think it was the okc thunder there was um there there were a um that was just kind of like the first straw that broke the camel's back for me. Like I, I, I didn't know much about the virus yet. And that was when it kind of became the most serious for me. Um, and that's kind of petty, you know, there's the, the scope of COVID is so massive, but just from my personal perspective, 
that was my first my first taste and my first look at it. And now again, and we're seeing another major spike, not just in professional sports, but that was where I first saw it happening. Now we're starting to see it throughout the entire country. And so hopefully we we you know can combat this again. Um, it sucks that it's popping up, but but the NFL is really doing a. a a pretty poor job at trying to handle this whole situation. And it's hard. It's, it's a difficult situation, no doubt, but the NFL testing the protocols and the enforcement of those protocols is, has been pretty lackluster out to say the least, you know, the, the one, the once a week testing was pretty, pretty bad look for, um, you know, you, clearly Odell Beckham jr. Last week was, you know, contagious in the, in the Rams huddle in their game last week. And he infected a good chunk of the, the Rams team this week now. And there's just a lot of this stuff going on that players should be taking rapid tests on the, on a daily basis. They should be taking rapid tests, like in their homes, you know, just if I was a head coach, I would tell, I would tell my players, take a test before coming in. We don't need these types of breakouts happening in our locker room. Like there needs to be more, you know, awareness and willingness from the players and coaching perspectives to, you know, beat this into submission before it goes even, even bigger than it already is. And the NFL is doing a lot of stuff to try to improve the enforcement of these protocols now, but it's a little bit too late and we'll have to see how willing the players are to, you know, go back to, you know, they, they felt like I'm sure felt like they had progressed so far and come so far in this COVID journey, you could say, but it, it's kind of regressing now and we'll see how willing they are to kind of get back to those, those stricter protocols and following those, those requests from the league and from their coaches it's a it's a difficult situation to say the least, and it sucks that you know this is the only the only option besides Urban Meyer that I could think of for you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. You you would think that in a sport where there's so much direct physical contact, uh, including in practices, that they would have a, a better tightened protocol, especially with the numbers increasing around the world. You can kind of see the trend coming. So I'm glad they're addressing it now, but it does seem to be a little bit. Uh, too late, unfortunately, but hopefully they, they get it correct. We get these games played and we get these guys on the field because, you know, we love football. We want to see the product. So COVID chill out NFL, get your shit together. Let's watch some football <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, I feel kind of embarrassed like to admit that, like that portion about like <laughs> the COVID, my COVID exposure initially came and, and I, I gauge it off of like how much, it impacts professional sports and it's like, Oh, it's getting bad. So maybe it's time to look at these overall trends. That's just how my right, yeah. like, a <laughs> hundred NFL players ruled out this week. I guess uh, <laughs> better wear a mask to the store tonight. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And like I saw all these players get COVID in the NFL. I was like, maybe I should schedule that booster shot. So <laughs> <laughs> Omicron, let me Google this guy and see what's going on here. <laughs> Is he playing for the Rams this week? <laughs> exactly. He's yeah. filling in for Odell. <laughs> All right, COVID kind of transitioned us transitions us into the fantasy football discussion because the storyline around the league and in fantasy football has been the COVID situation. And in fantasy, it presents a, a number of challenges, you know, how to deal with and, and where to pivot off of players who have are contract, contracting COVID. There's a number of, um, you know, critical players to fantasy lineups that are contracting the virus and are likely to sit out this week and sit, have had to sit out in previous weeks. And so pivoting off of these late notice injuries that COVID, you know, bounds to be, you know, there's been players that have contracted the virus or tested positive for the virus just days before game. And you got to pivot pretty late, you know, waiver wires already rolled and you got to, you got to have a backup option ready, ready and available. And 
that's the story with fantasy football this year, having as much insurance as possibly can to try to adjust when these types of obstacles are presented. So, you know, over the first two months of the season, there were 61 players added to the COVID COVID list over the last, you know, since uh, I think it's it's about the uh, last week or two, you know, I counted currently 164 players on the COVID list right now. And that was just from a personal count. So it could be more, it could be less. It's right, right in that ballpark. 164 is what I counted. And the, the, the scope of, you know, the talent on that COVID list is pretty shocking. And, and it's going to impact not just fans football, but also gambling and, and just the outcome of these games and a play and playoff runs. It's going to, it has major implications. So I would say, you know, just from, from, from a fantasy football perspective, keep an eye on that COVID tracker. Sharp Football Analysis, Warren Sharp, the, the lead there, has a, a good COVID tracker on his website, sharpfootballanalysis.com, you know, forward slash analysis, forward slash COVID-19. They have a, a pretty uh, comprehensive list of, you know, the guys that are currently on the COVID list, when they got posted there, and when they get removed. So I will take a look at that if you have any concerns. And really – it's a good it's a good benchmark to look at, you know, who's who's got it, who's on the COVID list when you're looking at gambling lines, you know, comparing teams against one another, who who's being more impacted by this virus right now, and will it have an impact in your opinion on the game? But it's uh it's been in the back in the front of all of our minds over the last couple of weeks, um, not just the last couple of years, but also just it's been uh pretty difficult to you know find the alternatives around around this whole situation. Yep, definitely. Definitely something important to monitor. Yeah. Any other fantasy football notes we want to touch on here heading to the first week of the playoffs? Make sure you have like contingency plans for guys who are playing on Monday and Tuesday, you know, have the ability to have their backup in case COVID does rule them out. There's a reason these games were delayed because there's still some spread going on within the teams. So I would say just if there's any, if you guys have late games this week, make sure you have the opportunity just to have a guy's backup or somebody else in the same game. You can, you can flex in. Yeah. And that's been the message throughout the season. So keep it going throughout the playoffs. There's nothing different now that, you know, the games are more important. It's even more critical now. Um, and don't, don't start guys on Saturday and Sunday in your flex spot. If you have an open running back or wide receiver spot, It'll give you more flexibility later in the week. If there is somebody ruled out, you can at least replace them with a running back or wide receiver or tight end if your flex spot is open. Oh, my God. Fuzzy, my dog is just barking up a storm in the background. <laughs> I, uh, but what I, what, with, on this note, um, what I would say one more tip is when a team starts to have, you know, some larger outbreaks, if, the, if the, you start to see a lot of the players on the team contracting the virus – I um if there's a backup that could be thrusted into a starting role that is available on your waiver wires, I would try my best to to try to add them before the news of the starter you know comes out. And because you, you gotta you gotta have predictive and predictive instincts with this, you know having you know if you have to think like if the starter gets COVID, who's gonna be the beneficiary of that? And is that person from a fancy perspective worth picking up and worth rostering? Um, you're talking about guys like Amir Abdullah, you know, Chuba Hubbard, if he were to get, um, you know, Craig Reynolds got thrusted in the start, starting role last week, surprising, surprising performances with him. The, the Dolphins have a number of issues with their running back situation. Salvin Offman and Miles Gaskin both got COVID last week. Philip Lindsay now this week. 
Uh, there's just a lot to monitor. Daryl Henderson was another guy that missed a game, or, or I think he missed a game because of COVID. He also had, a, a, I think, a knee injury. He was active the week before, though, with just the knee injury, even though he didn't play a snap. So he was trending in the right direction to play with that knee injury. So I think you're right. It was COVID ultimately, which kind of the, you know, the last, uh, the last straw there for him for the week. Yeah. And just, just uh, keep an eye on, on the waiver wire, because if there's a guy that's out there that could get thrust into a good spot because the starter gets COVID for whatever reason, or, or, you know, an injury pops up, I would, I would recommend, you know, keep an eye on those guys. One last thing I would say about this uh, for fantasy is also to continue to monitor the look ahead on your defenses. Um, what's the situation of COVID, you know, possibly severely impacting the game outcomes. We could see some underrated defenses or some, you know, defenses that we don't necessarily expect to be valuable in fantasy football get thrust into a situation where, you know, that maybe they could possibly be a, a sleeper uh, decision. You know, there are a number of defenses out there in leagues that, you know, the, the their look ahead schedules are, are what you got to be taking in a peek at, you know, I, I don't hate the idea. We talked about this last week of, you know, rostering two defenses with the look ahead of, you know, what you're looking at next week and the possibility of COVID outbreaks against your opponents is always something that, you know, you could hop on, um, for opposing defenses, you know, when, when, when games get really messy like that and you get a lot of backups coming into the game, like usually that kind of helps the defensive sides and, uh, you know, maybe you can see some lower scoring games. That's a great point. All right. Let's dive into some of the power rankings we got for all things analysis. We've been keeping this going all season long. We'll talk about some of the teams that we're seeing starting to trend upwards. Connor, who are some teams that are, you know, the hottest teams in football, who are the teams that we want to highlight are in the positive uh, trend trend section right now. Well, the the big the big mover for us was the Bucks taking over that number one spot. You know, we had the Cardinals uh, take a loss last week, and you know, Tom Brady still is just playing absolutely outstanding. That team uh, looks like it, it could be potentially another Super Bowl uh, repeat champion this year. Tom Brady is likely going to be the MVP. It, it, he appears to have that sewn up as well with that team firing on all cylinders. You know, obviously they've shown that they can do it before and have the experience. So they take over the top spot. Not too crazy uh, to to see that happen. Yeah, I think the Bucks' offense is just mildly impressive. Their their offense is really like they got they, they have so many options that they could always just adjust. It doesn't really matter what what your, the defense throws at them. The offense has so many weapons that they could always pivot to the next one. And with the way that Leonard Fournette has performed this season too, becoming truly, he's a three down back now. And he's, he's realizing the potential that the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, wanted when they drafted him. And he's really just come along a long ways now um, since those first couple of years in Jacksonville, when he's really just kind of an early down bruiser. And now he's really blossomed into an all around excellent running back option there for the bucks. And it opens up so many things for them and what they could do on that side of the football. But the biggest way with them is the defense for me. Um, you know, they, when you start Richard, when you have Richard Sherman playing some plays at safety, like they had last week, you know, we saw what, you know, the bills offense was capable of doing against them. And uh, they, with a back and forth game last week, they got out to the big lead and they let the bills right back into it, forcing overtime and making things pretty, pretty uh, dicey there for, for a second. And the, the bucks defense is, is not as elite as they were last year. And so the offense is going to have to compensate for that. And we'll see if they're able to make that, that, that run for another, another, um, you know, postseason title. 
Yeah, I think with Fournette finally playing up to his potential when he was drafted as the number two overall pick, you know, the the team is just so much more well-rounded on offense than they were uh, last year. And and I think that, you know, I don't think they're going to run into another offense this year that they can't possibly outscore. Um, So, yes, the defense is absolutely a concern. But at the end of the game, if you have Tom Brady with the ball in a one-score game, I, I like your chances. Yeah, I'm not gonna knock you there. He is the greatest of all time. So you got you gotta give him that. Also moving up, we have the Chargers. Uh, they moved up three spots. You know they 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 lost last week, but they went toe to toe with the with the uh, the Chiefs. I noticed that you were the one that kind of led this uh, this trend here for them, right? I mean, I had them at eight last week. You moved them up a spot. What what are your thoughts here with the Chargers? Are they a team that can compete for um, a, at least a, a postseason run here? Yeah, it, I mean, some of it was was how well the Chargers played going to overtime with the Kansas City Chiefs, but also some of the movement for the Chargers was just the teams ahead of them moving backwards. Um, so a large factor was the the Ravens have just been looking horrible, right? So they dropped down. But Justin Herbert keeps continuing to make these amazing plays. Uh, he has awesome arm talent. Uh, I really like his potential. They have a good defense. Um, especially in the passing game, but the, the rushing D seems to kind of have been a funnel lately. So we're hoping they can get that figured out. Uh, the, the, the difficult thing about the Chargers, the amount of mistakes that they've been making on offense, it, it's kind of what the Chiefs had earlier in the year where there's a it seems to be too many drops and mistakes. Um, so if they can get those types of issues cleaned up, maybe there are some coaching decisions that need to be altered as well because you know you consistently have them going for it on fourth down, not taking points. And if some of those times they had just taken the points, they would have locked that game up earlier. So I don't know if this is the type of gameplay uh analytically it, it makes sense right money ball style to go for it on fourth down every time but going into the playoffs i feel like some of these riskier decisions as well as the turnover prone or mistake prone nature of the chargers will come back to bite them in the ass and ultimately prevent them from moving into the upper echelon of teams yeah uh, i think what's what what impressed me most with the chargers what i got um is you know they were getting knocked on defense for their lack of a rush rush defense um and it's been better over the last few weeks and, you know over the last four week over the last four games 10 weeks 10 through 14 chargers are 14th in expe- uh expected points added on rush attempts or opposing rush attempts over the last five weeks i, I i'll throw in the chiefs game in here and pull this up really quick yeah, the Chiefs did not have a good game on the ground. Clyde edwards Swear only had 32 yards. I think Darrell Williams might have had like 10 or so. So, yeah, I, I would say that their performance would yeah. even be improved if they you dip, added They it dipped, in that actually. Game. They dipped down to 20th. But um, yeah. they, they've been better on, the, on that side of the football. They're no longer like the worst rush defense in the league, I would say. And, and that's an improvement. You know, they were literally dead last. And, you know, now they're, you know, they're climbing up you know, a little bit of they're climbing back into that realm. I think a lot of that has to do with just their health. And in addition to the joy, joy Bosa is really a top five weapon in the NFL on that defensive side of the football. He has been absolutely uh, ball hawking, just unbelievable, you know, getting pressure, making quarterbacks uncomfortable, stuffing the run, creating an edge. And he's been unbelievably uh, talented here for the the Chargers on that side of football, and it's been impressive to watch. And you know they're uh, they're a team that could you know they they, they get feisty. It's really going to take a, a major step up from Justin Herbert. He's going to have to you know play out of his mind if they're going to make a, a, a deep playoff run. 
But you know, we, with the the peaks of his performances that we've seen, he, it's, he's capable of it for sure. The uh, kind of the nature of our power rankings this week, though, we're not we're not really seeing a whole ton of movement. You know, we're late in the season; we shouldn't be seeing a whole ton of movement. We kind of know who these teams are, so most teams moving up or down just one spot or so. Um, but you know, I would say that uh, the team that you know the the team that we maybe we're a little bit too down on, I think is the San Francisco 49ers. I think the Niners are a team that are going to make the playoffs one. And two is if they get healthy, I think they can win a playoff game or two. They move up one spot in our power rankings this week. I believe you moved them up a spot, right? The I left them where they were. I have them at 12 overall. So I do have them a spot ahead of you. Okay. I got you. I'm looking at it now. All right. I think I think the Niners are, are are a team that you know I I actually have them above the Titans. I think that's probably a mistake. I'll probably have the Niners over the Titans, and mm-hmm. the Niners are are an advanced stat darling. Like we talked about it last week, they're a team that does really well in you know the underlying statistics, and they win football games in in the smaller the small ways. They don't have the best quarterback. Jimmy G's you know competent but not not excellent. He's not he's not exciting. He's probably a league average, a little bit below league average in in skill set, but. He's keeping them afloat. You know, George Kittle is an absolute animal of non-QB assets in the NFL. If you were to start a non-QB asset draft, he'd probably be going top 10 at least, maybe even top five. And he is, he came back to this team and the last two weeks has completely turned that offense around. And the the dynamic, the dynamicism that he creates just, you know, all all around play, not just receiving, he's an unbelievable blocker. He sets the edge for them, his energy. He is unbelievable. And it has been exciting to watch. One of my favorite players to watch in the NFL right now is, is George Kittle. Did you see him pancake Aaron Donald? Yeah, a few weeks was... ago when they played, like that is my, that must be the most difficult thing yeah. to do with the NFL is to is to is to freaking pancake Aaron Donald, the best defensive player that we've had for nearly the past decade. <laughs> like, what yeah. the heck? Kittle is a beast. Yeah, he is a joy to watch. I just I I, I target San Francisco 49ers games looking to to see what Kittle's Kittle's up to. Um, the Ravens continue to drop in our rankings. You know, they're a team that's sliding and really it's just like the season out of hell for them. It's, it's not even they, God bless them. They've actually competed really well. And I think there's a good chance. They just, I think there's a good chance they cover the game, the plus seven spread just because they're just a team that doesn't, they don't, they don't quit. They're always in happy. They're so scrappy and like, but like how many, how many hits can you take? You know, Lamar's probably out this week. Their number one defensive player, Mar- Marlon Humphrey's out for the season. They lost all the running backs preseason. They've been banged up with COVID throughout the year. And they are a team that is just uh, really looking forward to the next year in the off season, I think, because they have a, a talented roster, but they haven't been able to put all their best players out there. And they've been really unfortunate this season. It's been an absolute grind of a year for them. There have been some positives. I think, um, you know, Hollywood really emerged this year as the yeah. top target on that offense as a wide receiver. He mentioned himself Bateman, as going to be a good one-two combo next season. Yeah, he, he really showed that he has much more of a range than just being a Deshaun Jackson-like deep threat. Uh, you know, he's been used a lot more in the intermediate passes. He, he's been a, a target 
hockey's he's seen a lot more targets as opposed to just the long bombs as well or screen passes. So I've been very impressed with his improvement this year. Mark Andrews um, took even another step up. He's he's legitimately in that top three conversation with Kittle and Kelsey now. And so yeah, the, the skill pieces are there. You, you mentioned Bateman, who is now seeing more playing time on the field after originally being injured to start the year. The, the tough part is, you know, Lamar has been really up and down. He was passing the ball great, got COVID for the second time, uh, really impacted him apparently. You know, we heard last year Jason Tatum couldn't get right for a couple of months. Lamar hasn't looked right for, uh, you know, a little bit more than a month at this point since the last time he had COVID. Obviously, he's dealing with a, a nagging leg injury now. But the uh, accuracy completely plummeted um, once he once he missed some extended time. So, yeah, the pieces are there. Can they get everybody healthy? Can Lamar get healthy? If so, you know, they're definitely a Super Bowl contender next year. I'm not sure they are this year based on how the season has gone. And that's why they have to move down in our power rankings. Yeah. Any other teams you want to highlight here as our power rankings movements? I, I realized you, you had some notes here. That I think it was for some of our, our previous week's rankings. And so really this week, we didn't really see many teams moving up more, more than a spot or two. Yeah, I mean, the other team that we had moving up was the Seahawks, I believe. They stayed about the same, actually. Um, we have a, a 19 in our ATA power rankings. I think that's about right. They're, uh, oh, was the formula uh, linked to a different week 13, week? yeah. Before, week 13. Uh, okay. So the Seahawks, you know, ahead of, uh, you know, the Saints and the Dolphins, Broncos, uh, behind the Eagles, Browns. I think that's, you know, right in that same kind of tier there. I would probably say, you know, these teams are – all pretty pancaked and, and could inter, intertwine or and, and you could exchange a lot of these teams. You know, I'm looking at the Steelers, Vikings, Eagles, Browns, Seahawks, Saints, even the Broncos and Dolphins. Maybe you could throw in there Dolphins on a five game win streak. I mean, these are teams that um, you know any given week could beat. I think one another and yeah, that 12 through 22 range is very much up in the air. I think we have a pretty good top ten and a pretty good bottom ten, but the middle is is very competitive. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, let's talk about some of our favorite matchups for the week. You ready? Absolutely. Let's get into it, baby. All right, let's quickly touch on the Saturday night game. This is the best game of the docket. It's a bummer that we weren't able to get this pod up earlier to give our our in-depth analysis on this. But really, just tell me who you're picking in this game, what you're looking for, and what are you excited about with this matchup between the New England Patriots, Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored by two and a half points, over under 45 and a half. I mean, the Pats are on one of the hottest streaks in the league, and yet they're underdogs in this fight, which is kind of wild for me. Um, So, yeah, the fact that they're getting points, I wanted to hop right on that. I'm taking New England. I feel like that's going to be a very popular play. I know they're uh, playing down in Indy, but I actually think that makes it a little bit easier. You don't have to deal with the weather up here. Um, I think Damian Harris is out in this game, but I really don't think there's much of a drop-off to Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, The big question is, do the Pats do what they normally do and try to lock down on the number one option on the other team? Now, typically they're very successful at it when it's a wide receiver. They can put the clamps on, they could double team them, kind of shift the attention or put a zone in. But will they be able to do that with the with the electric running back that is Jonathan Taylor? And I think that if ultimately they can shut shut down this running game and make the Colts one uh, one dimensional, they really can win this game. And when I say you're not going to be able to shut down Jonathan Taylor, let's be clear, the, the guy is amazing. But if they can hold him somewhere in the realm of 80 to 100 yards as opposed to 160 and two touchdowns, then I think they give themselves a great fighting chance to come away with a win today. 
Yeah, ultimately, you know, I, I was initially leaning the Colts and when I, when this line came out because it felt like a trap line. You know, I, I'd agree. It does. I, it does. I, I agreed with you in the sense that, you know, the Patriots are a hot team, probably a public team. And the, the, the fact that they were underdogs in this road matchup seemed like it was a trap. But when you look at the, the underlying statistics, you know, I did not love hearing that the Colts were saying that, you know, they want to make Mac Jones beat them. And that is the opposite of what you want to do when you face the Patriots. You do not want to tell Bill Belichick your game plan before you go go out and do it. You want to be as secretive as possible. Belichick will capitalize on any you know edge you give him. With that said, you know, the Colts, when you look at their defense over the last five weeks or, or last four weeks, weeks uh, 10 through 14, Actually, let me adjust this because they didn't play week 14. Nine through 13, I'm looking at their, their defensive statistics. Their rush EPA, they were dead last when I was looking at nine through 14. But I forgot that they didn't play in 14. They're still dead last. So weeks nine through 13, the last four weeks that the Colts have played, their last four games, their rush defense is dead last in the NFL. They have allowed 0.06 EPA per play on rush attempts. On success rate, they're still dead last, 52.2% rush rate. So good luck trying to stop this New England's rushing a game. Even with Damian Harris out, Ramondre Stevenson is an excellent option in DFS lineups tonight. If you're doing a single game option, if you have him in your fantasy lineups, you know, kudos to you. I know I had him. Uh, I have Damian Harris in both my teams. Ramondre I have as a handcuff in just one, and I wish I had him in both because Ramondre I think is an excellent start this, this game. And can, uh, can I give you a, a Ramondre question? Because I am an owner of Ramondre. Yeah. Um, situationally. Okay. So the other options I have at running back are Antonio Gibson and Rashad Penny. Would you start Ramondre over one of them? I would probably start him over Rashad Penny. Um, you know, I know Penny kind of had a breakout game last week and, you know, he probably, is going to get a similar usage usage rate, but the, the matchup against the Rams is not ideal. Um, I know the Rams come into the game banged up with COVID, but the Rams over the last, in that same spit time span I just gave you, 9 through 13, let's, let's make it a five-game span, 9 through 14. The Rams are a top top 10 rush defense. They were 7th in EPA through 9, nine through 13. And let me pull up, add the extra game. Their rush EPA... They are second in rush EPA allowed to opposing offenses. It's a tough matchup. The Rams have a good rush defense. They they second to just the Eagles over that last over that five game span. And you know rush success rate for the Rams they're seventh in that span. It, it's a uh, it's it's not a good matchup for Penny. And with the Seahawks, you know, kind of coming to the last stages, I'm, I I kind of tend to believe that. Russell Wilson is going to start calling some of his own plays and he's going to start, you know, his propensity to pass is going to start increasing as the season gets later. Cause you know, it's, it's ultimately his team. And if, if it seems like Carroll's probably on his way out after this year, the Seahawks want him to stay. They got to probably let him do his thing and see what he has with DK and Lockett. I know he loves those guys. I think Lockett's actually out of this game with COVID, but right. Um, is. The, uh, the matchup is just a lot better with Stevenson there. Yeah, I think you make a great decision here. And, and one other thing that goes into this decision-making process is that Ramondre is playing Saturday night. So you can lock a running back into your lineup who's in a decent matchup. The other guy's out, you know, the path loved to run the ball. Um, 
there's question marks about these Tuesday games, right? If if there yeah, are I'm any playing. further delays, right? If there are any further delays beyond Tuesday, they can't reschedule it for this current week. So having Ramondre locked into my lineup gives me more flexibility because Gibson plays on Tuesday. Rashad plenty p- plays on Tuesday. Maybe you want to play Ramondre over one of the Eagles running backs that play on Tuesday, right? Uh, a Jordan Howard or a Miles Sanders. Um, they're, they're all within the same realm of ranking on a weekly basis this week. I would say they're pretty much in, in a similar, in a similar vein, but having a certainty that I know Ramondre is going to going to play tonight and I can lock him into my lineup as a good start and not have to worry about one of these Tuesday guys that could potentially give me a zero is very satisfying as a fantasy owner in the playoffs to, too. I feel like for guys playing Tuesday, you kind of have to knock them like at like five to, to like two to 5%. Be, assuming mm-hmm. like there's a small possibility they actually just contract the virus and they miss yep. the game with that much yep. time in between. Like it's, it's so uncertain at this point. It seems like anybody could get popped with the, with the positive COVID test any, any day. So I, I think you're right. And it's the playoffs. You have to, you have to be careful. It's, the, and it's the, the fantasy playoffs. Exactly. You can't take a zero right now. You can't, you can't lose because of a, a poor managerial move on your part. Yeah. So this matchup with the Pats and Colts, it's, it's a it's one of the, it's easily the best matchup of the week and it's exciting that's a Saturday night. Since October 1st, you know, the Patriots offense, the their MO people in the public think that you know they've been a run first offense and and from a run rate perspective and the play play calling perspective, they they have been. They they run the ball more than they pass the ball. But their passing their passing game is the most efficient in the NFL since October 1st. They are first in the yards per attempt, second in EPA per play, first in explosive pass rate. Mac Jones has been not not a rookie QB this year. He we evaluate Mac Jones like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this year. And I would I would contest he's easily a top 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. Easily, comfortably. And this passing this passing game for the Patriots is right on par with the the league's best. And when they want to throw the ball, they they can and they can efficiently. And so if the Colts want Mac Jones to beat them, I think he's more than capable of doing so. And that's my kind of my handicap with this one. Taking the Pats plus two and a half. You know, the Colts, the Colts defense, you know, they they their their strength throughout the year has been to defend the run, but they've been struggling in that sense lately, like I said. And I, I think that the Colts get back uh, you know, get beat down by one of the team's best, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL right now. I think the Pats are are there on on par with some of the top teams in in the NFL. I like the Colts going forward. I think they're a team that could sneak into the playoffs on the backside, but you know, the schedule is getting real tough for them. They, they needed to come on earlier because it's, they're starting start, to be too little too late with them. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's, it's a tough one to evaluate, but in the end, I think that the Patriots do come out on top because of all the reasons you mentioned. And, you know, the efficiency of the passing game is there. The running game is there. And so they might not be the Colts on the ground, but, you know, I, I certainly have more confidence in Mac Jones and Bill Belichick than I do Carson Wentz. So, yeah. All right. Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Denver Broncos. This is the next matchup I want to talk about playing in Denver in this one. Broncos are favored by three points over under point total is 44. This is one of the even most evenly matched games of the week. You know, teams both rank 17th and 18th in DVOA overall. Um, and the line feels pretty fishy to me because it's, it. you know, the Bengals are uh, a team that, you know, people want to root for. They got a lot of young talent on the offensive side. Joe Burrow is a fan favorite. Jamar Chase has been exciting. T Higgins is breaking out in a big way this year. And the, the fact that the Broncos are favored by three points is, is somewhat fishy to me. 
And I, it seems like the books are begging people to take the Cincinnati Bengals and the, and, and the points. And it's tough not to take this side. And I, I got to tell you, I kind of lean that way myself. I'm probably not going to bet on a side here, but if I have to pick, I think I take Bengals plus three. And the fact that this, these teams are just so evenly matched, I'm going to take the points. And they're, they're very evenly matched in a lot of underlying statistics. Uh, but the Bengals have, you know, been a little bit better than the average team on the road this year. They're four and one against the spread in their last five away games. They're they have a, a plus eleven point three point differential against the spread in road games this season. Um, and six of the last uh, six games in the last six games between these two teams um, in Denver. So the games are playing in Denver. Bengals on the road. Bengals are covered against the spread in five of them. So five of the last six games in Denver, Bengals have covered. These two teams are just so evenly matched, and, and why not take the points? That's kind of my my thought here. Are we kind of in the same the same vein there? Yeah, absolutely. And and when you think about the upside potential of both teams, I certainly feel more confident in a blow up game from the Bengals than the Broncos. So if there were a situation where the one team was just going to play to their full potential, I think the Bengals have the much better upside as well. Yeah, my only worry is. The the running game for the Broncos has looked excellent. I love the Javante Williams. Javante Williams is if Melvin Gordon leaves the Broncos um, this offseason, if Javante is the the bell cow guy for Denver, I think Javante is going to be my ride or die next season for the NFL fantasy football season. Love that. He is an absolute elite talent in the running back running back spot. And that's not even bad mouthing Melvin Gordon, who is pretty much in that same vein as a, as a top 10 talent in the running back position himself. He's been excellent when he plays this year. Yeah. I mean, last game, they, they both, I think had a hundred yards. <laughs> they're all, they're both, they're fantastic. So there is potential for the ground game to take over, but even still these, both of these teams, um, play a very slow pace of play. They both love to run the ball. Uh, you know, the Bengals sometimes can, can pick it up, but I really don't see this being a high scoring game. And with that in mind, uh, you know, I think the Bengals will be within shooting distance and they do have the offense to score when necessary. They can always hit a long play to any of their three very talented wide receivers. So, um, just because of that, I don't think it's a game that's going to get out of hand and, and I just, <laughs> I, I do, I always do this, but you know, I, I trust Joe Burrow more than I trust Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater to win a game. Yeah. And it really comes down to I think that the Bengals defense, their strength is their run, the run, the run game. Um, you know, they're 10th in DBOA and rushing 18th in pass. So they're, they're a better run defense and pass defense. If I'm, if I'm making Teddy Bridgewater beat me, he hasn't shown the ability to do so. He's been one of the most below average bland quarterbacks that you could possibly have over the last few weeks. He's been, I had money on him a couple of weeks ago and I watched every snap of his game and I hated myself for having money on and rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. I, I just, Ooh, uh, he's got such skilled wide receivers too. He's killing the value of Cortland Sutton. He's killing the value of Jerry Judy. No offense. These guys are unplayable in fantasy too now. Yeah. And, and like, his stats aren't even like, absolutely horrendous but when you watch him play there's just very very little to get excited about he never makes a play like he's got to lead the league in least amount of plays that you he makes and then you say wow like that was a good throw that was a good run like i i don't think there's been a single Teddy bridgewater play this season where you get pumped up to to watch i mean maybe there was something in that dallas game but ultimately that just kind of was that game ended up being every ball bounced the broncos way and everything went right for them. 
I don't, I don't think, I think Bridgewater is the least exciting quarterback in the NFL. I think he's, I, I just, I, I can't stand watching him. I don't want to root for him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's the worst quarterback. I think he's the least exciting quarterback. Well, that, I think that makes him even like less exciting than some of the terrible quarterbacks because yeah. you're like, wow, so-and-so might throw four freaking picks today for 60 yeah. yards. That's kind of fun too. At the same time, Teddy, you're going to get like, you know, 60% passing completion percentage, very low air, air yards. And yeah. you make 200 passing yards, maybe a touchdown, maybe a pick, you know, okay, it's going to be fine. It's yeah. bland. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and ultimately I'm getting to my bet. One of my favorite bets of the week under 44 on the point total was one of my favorites this week. Six of the yep. Broncos last seven games have gone under the Bengals are third. Like you, you touched on this with pace of play. The Bengals are 31st and seconds per play. Broncos are 28th. Neither team plays with much pace at all. And both have heavily leaned recent, especially recently on their, their primary source of success on offense, on the run game, especially the Bengals. You know, they, they, there was that whole storyline with just Joe Mixon breaking out. They should become a, they, they're going to start leaning on the run game more. And really they, they, their early, the early first half plays um, for the Bengals have been, you know, they want to run the ball. That's been their priority. And then when it doesn't work out or things start to go sideways, that's when they, you know, have to adjust and, and focus on the passing game. And I'm not convinced Joe Burrow is hundred percent still. I think his pinky's still giving him some trouble. I just, I really like the under on this. Both defenses rank in the top 10 in EPA per play allowed over the last four weeks. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a, a grinding of a game. I like both running games in this game, in this matchup. I think Mixon, Javante, Melvin Gordon are all good fantasy plays. But I think uh, when you have the running backs as your main source of offense, it's going to end up the, keeping the, talk, the clock ticking. And I think this, uh, this is one of my favorite bets of the week, under 44. Yeah, absolutely right on board with you. All right, let's transition to our next matchup. The last one we'll talk about and uh, for this week, and then we'll get to our DFS lineups. The New Orleans Saints taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an NFC South divisional battle here. These teams have faced each other four times since Tom Brady came to Tampa Bay. Each each of them have been very exciting and back and forth. The Bucs are favored by an, a, a pretty astronomical line here, 11 and a half. 45 and a half is the over-under point total. With a double-digit underdog, you know, on their back here with the Saints, they head into this week team, week fifteen matchup, having won six of the last seven games between these two teams straight up. They've also won three of the last four, which includes you know all the Tom Brady games. So the Saints have been Brady's most difficult opponent since he came to Tampa Bay. Ever since he came to Tampa Bay, the Saints have been the only opponent that have you know really given Brady a lot a lot of trouble consistently. And you look at, you know, first half statistics, Brady and the Buccaneers offense has averaged just 6.7 points of first half offense when facing the, the, the Saints over the last four games. But when they face all of their other opponents, Brady and the Buccaneers, they average 17.8 first half points. It's a big, it's a big difference. We're talking about less than a touchdown, jumping all the way to over two, two touchdowns and a field goal. With, against other opponents, what are your thoughts here? Do the Saints have a chance to upset the Bucks, or at very at the very least cover this double digit point spread, Connor? Well, I think the Saints definitely do have an opportunity. Um, what they do really well is they use Marshawn Lattimore to shut down Mike Evans. Historically, that's been the case when the Saints play the Bucks, and Mike Evans does not perform well in those games. That really limits Brady's ability to spread the ball around, and he does not like having his options taken away. He likes to look all around the field, get everybody involved. So they, they really funnel um, to certain players. And then in addition to that, they have a really good run-stopping defense. Uh, so Leonard Fournette has been 
been uh, somewhat of a, a surprise this year in, in how well he has played. It's going to be tough sledding for him against the Saints as well. So as long as Taysom um, and Alvin Kamara are able to effectively run the ball, which will drill down the, the time on the clock, um, then there's potential to have this game um, you know, really slow down and really not produce a high point total, which will make it difficult for the the uh, the Bucks to have uh, more than a twelve point win in this game. I feel you. The, I gotta tell you though, the Bucks. You know, you're 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 with the public perception that you know they've built a reputation for having a defense that is difficult to run against, but they've been regressing in recent weeks. Since uh, yeah. you know, over the last five weeks. In their last five games, they are last in EPA allowed per rush attempt over that time frame. You know, the defense is starting to slip a little bit. Like I said, they had they had Richard Sherman playing safety last week. That's not encouraging. Quarterback runs for the Buccaneers, too, have been particularly troublesome. You know, this season they have allowed the sixth most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks. And, you know, with the caveat, you know, last week I think they gave they allowed a hundred hundred yards or so to Josh Allen rushing. I think it was like 94. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big uh, mark against them. Just the one game, but you know, they come into this matchup against Taysom Hill. Hill had 174 rush yards on 15 carries over his last two games, 11.6 yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns against the jets last week of all non running back players in the NFL. Taysom Hill is second in yards after contact per attempt, 4.6. Debo Samuel, by the way, first in that mark. Difficult play, uh, Of difficult players to tackle in the NFL, like Hill ranks right up there. He's one of the most difficult to tackle. And Alvin Kamara, he's, a, he's tied for 11th in the most broken tackles on rushes this season. And the Buccaneers defense, you know, we think of them as a physical dominating defense. Or PFF ranks them as the third worst tackling defense in the NFL. So they, they're struggling with their tackling this year. And when you face guys like Hill and, and Alvin Kamara, I think it could end up being a really tough matchup for them. And this is going to be, I think, a, a better matchup than anticipated for this Saints offense, especially with the, what they've been doing with Taysom Hill lately. I like the, I like the Saints plus 11 and a half, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite sides of the week on a spread. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I think that Taysom and Kamara, who's now should be fully healthy, um, not that Taysom's mouth fingers healed, but uh, from a running perspective, they should be able to, you know, shorten the clock by by running a lot and keep keep Tom Brady off the field. And it's going to make it tough to hit that that 11 and a half um, point line uh, for the Buccaneers. So absolutely, there, there's great potential for the Saints um, to be able to and not win this game, but at least uh, cover the spread. I, I wouldn't even hate like a little sprinkle on, on the Saints money line. I think that's one of the better Ooh. values of a money line this week. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, 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 the Saints are aware of that. If Tampa, Tampa Bay needs this game to clinch a one seat, essentially the rest of their schedule after this game is pretty cake. If they win this game, they are going to give the Packers a really, they're going to make the Packers lives very difficult to get that first seed in that buy. So this is a big game for both teams. And, and, you know, the saints are trying to claw back into that playoff picture. They're not completely out of it. So both these teams are in a must win situation. You know, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans is always must watch TV. These teams know each other really well. I, I, the saints aren't going to, are they're not going to get blown out is my thought here. Like they're, they're going to mm-hmm. rise to the opportunity. They understand what's at stake. And Sean Payne is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I just don't think he's going to let this saints team just lay down and, and roll over to the saint, the, the Buccaneers prowess as, as you know, the top team in the NFL, one of the top teams in the NFL. So 
I think this is a, one of my favorite sides of the week. Saints plus 11 and a half. I mean, whenever you have these divisional matchups, they're just, they're always so difficult. So absolutely. For sure. All right, man. That's, those are the games we want to highlight. We'll, we'll have our picks up um, tonight for, you know, people to go back and, and see what our thoughts are for each game. And, we did get uh, some news, by the way. Um, the Rams uh, have activated Daryl Henderson and OBJ off of the COVID-19 list. So it looks like they will play uh, at the end of this week. Good to know. I'm a little bit bummed about Daryl Henderson. I have Sony Michelle in both my leagues. So, <laughs> sorry, brother. I'm still gonna go important, with Sony. Important knowledge, then. I, I, really, I, I, I I'm kind of pinned to a corner. I, I have no Damian Harris in one league. I'm gonna go with Sony. Um, I think he gets. I mean, at least like maybe half the carries is my guess. And so I think it's a good matchup against the Seahawks. That is enough to be uh, to be had for him. All right. Well, if he's playoff PlayStation Sony, you should be fine. <laughs> For sure. All right, Connor, let's dive into our DFS daily fantasy sports values of the week. Our, we'll list our, our rosters here and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. All right. Do you have any stats on how you've been doing this year? Uh, I haven't refreshed it recently, but last week was a good week for me at least. Uh, I think you had a couple players perform well also. So let me pull up the DFS lineups. So I had Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara last week. Taysom and, and Kamara both were fantastic. So they, they carried me into the cash. I think you were taking, uh, you had George Kittle who went crazy. And I think Jalen Guyton as well, which was a great deep dive. Both of them played well. Hilaire had two touchdowns. So I believe you also cashed um, a little bit let down by James Robinson for you, preventing you from being in the upper echelon with only four carries. Similarly for me, Jeff Wilson, just really not doing anything through the air, which limits his potential on DraftKings. But always nice when we both can cash in the previous week. I'll update those uh, season long stats uh, for the, at least for the article. Yeah. All right. Let's go over our week 15 lineups. And uh, do you want to kick it off first? I would love to. So trying to stay hot here, Ben and I are. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of movement to watch out for, by the way, for COVID. So these lineups may change. I should just put that out there right off the bat. Uh, a lot of the postponed games, the Tuesday games, you guys can't put them in your, in your roster, unfortunately. Uh, DraftKings rules. So at quarterback, I'm going with Kyler Murray against Detroit. He's got the best matchup on the week. Uh, then at running back, I'm taking James Robinson. This is the bounce back game right here. You know, the, the interim head coach has already said they're committing to the run with James Robinson. Carlos Hyde is out. So he will be treated as a number one running back at 5,400 against uh, Houston. That's an awesome matchup. So I think he's nearly a lock in every cash game lineup uh, at running back. I am taking Michael Carter, my running back two for 4,700. He was seeing more than 50% of the carries in the last, uh, I think seven or eight games he played before injury. Um, so I think that just basically counts out the first couple of weeks where he was, you know, a rookie running back takes some time. Uh, he should be right back into his normal role. Uh, great pass catcher. So I love him at only 4,700. My wide receiver one this week is Deontay Johnson. He's going up against uh, Tennessee 31st against the, the wide receiver. He's just an absolute target hog. 
Number two, I'm going with CeeDee Lamb. I'm hoping that Dak can have a bounce back game against the New York Giants. They're just a really bad football team. They're my team, but they're bad. <laughs> uh, so I think CeeDee, uh, when you're talking about guys with extreme potential, no Cooper Cup on the slate, no Tyreek Hill on the slate. So I love CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and then my wide receiver three, I'm pairing AJ Green with Kyler Murray with no DeAndre playing this week. I like their correlation. Uh, and then tight end Dawson Knox. I feel like somebody on Buffalo is going to step up. I believe Emmanuel Sanders is out. So I'm going with Dawson Knox. And then in the flex, I'm going with Devontae Parker. He's only 4,300. Jalen Waddles out of this game and they're playing against the Jets. So really think Parker's an awesome value. And then lastly, I'm taking the Jags defense against Houston. Don't love to do it but I don't think Houston offense goes crazy. Maybe there's a turnover. So that is my lineup. All right, buddy. I, uh, I like it. I have a couple guys. I think uh, similar to you. I uh, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position, 7,500 there. Take, you know, Baltimore, they don't have Marlon Humphreys and I just don't see how they guard Devontae Adams. And I think, you know, him and Rodgers are going to absolutely feast in this game. Uh, if Baltimore is going to cover that seven point spread, they're going to need to score points. And I, I think they could. It's a possibility. Packers defense isn't that isn't, you know, the big, the most scary. But uh, I think Rodgers 7500 is one of one of my favorite values at like the quarterback position. I really like to lock in an elite quarterback. Um, you know, I think Rogers is pretty, I'm pretty comfortable saying he's going to finish at the top, top of the, uh, top five or so top, you know, six quarterbacks this week, RB one, I'm going with James Robinson. Uh, I'm doubling down on this Robinson thing. Uh, you know, last week we saw Robert, a lot of the news in the locker room was they wanted Robinson more involved. You get rid of the coach urban Meyer, you know, Robinson, they said uh, the head coach, uh, Darren Bevel said, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of James involved this week. I th- I'm going to trust him. You know, Houston's defense, I think isn't, isn't the best matchup, but the fact that the volume is expected to go up pretty high, he's only $5,400. I think it's an excellent value this week. I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson, Jr. And may RB two spots. Funny that we had these two guys, both disappoint us last week. And I'm going to double down on it again here. I got Jeff Wilson in my RB two spot. $5,000 facing off a lackluster Atlanta Falcons defense that is terrible against the run. Jeff Wilson Jr. set, set to get the, the bulk of the carries again with Elijah Mitchell out for this game. I think it's a good matchup for him. So I think Wilson gets the volume and gets the run to try to uh, make this matchup a good one for him. The RB2 for five grand, good value there. And wide receiver one, Devontae Adams, doubling down this Rodgers stack with the Packers. I don't see how the, how the Baltimore Ravens guard Devontae this week. Like I said, no Marlon Humphreys. They really don't have anybody that can hang with Adams. He's going to have his pick of the litter uh, in terms of routes he wants to run, spaces he wants to get into. He is he, he's going to be an animal. So long as he doesn't get hurt, you know, if knock on wood, I shouldn't have even said anything. I, I think he's due for an excellent game this week for $8,900. I was, that was my guy I wanted to pay up to get this, this week. My wide receiver two, someone you had, Devontae Parker. I'm going with Parker, you know, no Jalen Waddle this week. A Jets defense that, um, you know, they're, they're they're okay against wide receivers this year. I just don't think they faced the best receivers in the league. I think their 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 matchup against Miami, you know, is going to be t- troublesome for them. Miami likes to throw the ball a lot. They're a high volume passing offense. I think Tua's average depth of target has been has been growing with no Waddle. He, I think Parker is going to be his his main target from the wide receiver position. For just forty three hundred dollars, I thought that was a good, good value there. My wide receiver three one, Gabe Davis. No Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I, I saw a lot of the game last week with Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Gabe, Gabe Davis gets heavily involved in that offense, and I hate to say that it seems like 
Allen's most least accurate targets seem to always go to Gabriel Davis. It seems like Davis, every time that he throws to him, the ball is, you know, like, like four yards off, off target. And I, I, I hope that improves this week. I think he gets the volume really came down to the price tag with him. Only 3,700, only $3,700 for a guy in one of the league's best offenses who is bound to get at least five to six to seven, maybe targets this week. I think Gabe Davis is an excellent value um, for the potential, you know, of a boom of a touchdown and maybe a big play for him. Tight end. I'm going with my guy. I'm doubling down on this one again, George Kittle and Kittle has been an animal, an absolute animal last couple of weeks. I think he keeps the hot streak going, going. It really came down to the drop off from Kittle to the next guy in the tight end position is just too large for me to pass up. I wanted to pay up for my, my guy, George Kittle in the flex. I'm going Dontrell Hilliard. Hilliard is facing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense for he's $4,900 Steelers defense is, you know, publicly the perception on them is that they are a team, uh, a defense that is, is good against the run, good against the pass or a good defense over the last four weeks. They have allowed the most fancy points to opposing running backs. It's a little bit unexpected. I, I think Hilliard's a good play this week, you know, forty $4,900. I like the opportunity for him to get a good share of the workload in Tennessee's backfield. I think the tie-ins are going to keep that game close. And I like Hilliard. I like the value there. The defense are going with the Houston Texans. And the, my thought here is that, you know, while you know, maybe, maybe there is a little bit of a narrative with the Jags turning around, I think the Texans would probably be more expensive if that Urban Meyer story didn't come out this week. And the, like I said, the Texans rush defense is actually surprisingly adequate. They're not that bad. And the, Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown, I think he's got one touchdown in the last six weeks. So I'm not really afraid of their passing game whatsoever. Really, the only thing you got to worry about is James Robinson going off. And if that's the case, I, I, could, I think I can handle it, given that Lawrence is bound to throw at least one to two interceptions, maybe a fumble. I think that, you know, Jacksonville's bound to have at least a couple turnovers in this game. I think this game gets sloppy. And if that's the case, uh, I'm happy to take a defense in there, there that, you know, the, the Texans are the favorite team. And I think they win this game. And I'm happy to throw them into my defense spot for just 2,800. I had to look at that stat up on Lawrence. I was like, I, I almost can't believe that one touchdown in the past six weeks passing, but it's accurate. And it's, it's been brutal in Jacksonville. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize it was that bad. Yeah. He, he, he isn't throwing touchdowns and there's nothing to be had in that passing game. So I, I think for, like I said, I think if urban Meyer wasn't fired this week, I think the Texans defense would be one of the, my favorites of the week. And you want to know it's funny DFS. What? So Trevor Lawrence has only had more than one passing touchdown in one game this season. Can you tell me that game? Was it the week one against the Texans? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he threw three picks that game too, to be fair. So the defense still did. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's a good matchup for them. I think it's a good value. Yeah. agree. I think uh, Houston and Jacksonville are priced the same, and uh, we we both just picked the other one, which is pretty yeah. funny. Well, the Jags have allowed the, the most points to opposing defenses over the last four weeks. Houston, they're like tenth, twelfth, or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anybody, anybody else you want to highlight here uh, before we read off our lamps one more one more time? I, I think that it's very important just to be aware of the the changing environment we have right now for DFS and to 
wait for as late as possible to lock in anybody into your lineup. You have to be water this week just with all the COVID stuff. So um, yeah, a lot of opportunity things are changing. Miles Gaskin is, I believe, active and he plays against the Jets. He went nuts against the Jets last time they played. And, uh, you know, the Jets obviously are horrible. So if he's active, I think he could be a low roster percentage value. Another guy, which is an even deeper dive is Laquan Treadwell. He's got a few weeks in a row at this point with a pretty decent target share and he's extremely low priced. So that's a very deep dive, but it's it's one that's uh, available. Yeah, one guy that I'm keeping an eye on that I think could, he's kind of priced out as like a low tier RB2. I think he, if things bank right for him, he could be like an elite RB1 is Chase Edmonds with the Cardinals coming. He he came back off of IR last week. Didn't really get a whole ton of usage. Did he even play last week? I'm not sure. Um, I think I didn't I think see. Was, uh, I think he was active. I didn't see him on the field. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was practicing, but he didn't play. He's coming back this week, and James Conner is banged up. And Conner's been excellent this year. Uh, but Edmonds was Thank the you. one guy. <laughs> James Conner, not not Conner. <laughs> uh, and, and Edmonds is priced at 5100. I think that you know he that's way too low for a guy that you know could be you know he's one of the more explosive running backs in the league when healthy. He's facing a good matchup against the Lions. I think that's one that I'm keeping an eye on too. Yeah, he didn't play last week, so this would be his first game back. He carries no injury designation and activated off of IR. Yeah, so I like that one. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is somebody that I'm keeping an eye on, too. He's he's playing inside and outside over the last two contests. He's kind of become Jared Goff's safety blanket. He had two consecutive games with a 30% target share, at least 30% target share. Um, he's kind of like an, a wide receiver three option in fantasy leagues. And, in, you know, in DFS, he's priced at like, I think 5,200. He said price is creeping up, but I think, you know, he, uh, he has a chance to, to sneak into some, some value here for the, for the, uh, the, the lions who I think the lions might be a little bit of sneaky play this week. So. It, that's a good call too, because I believe TJ Hawkinson's out once again this week yeah, and as well as DeAndre. And with, with DeAndre Swift as well. So you should see a heavy dose of uh, Amon Rossi and Brown. All right. That's going to do it for DFS. You want to read your lineup off one more time, Connor? Yeah, absolutely. So at quarterback, I have Kyler Murray. At running back, I'm going with James Robinson and Michael Carter. At wide receiver, I'm going with Deontay Johnston, CeeDee Lamb, and AJ. Jay Green, at tight end, Dawson Knox, in the flex, Devontae Parker, and at defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like it, Connor. I think we've got a winner here. We'll go with Aaron Rodgers, James Robinson, Jeff Wilson Jr., Devontae uh, Adams, and then Devontae Parker. I, got, I didn't realize I got a couple of Devontae's in here. I might as well just call this the Devontae lineup. Gabe Davis, wide receiver three, George Kittle, tight end, Don, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, in the flex, and the defense go at the Houston Texans. I think this is a good week to win some money in DFS because there are going to be a lot of dead lineups out there from people who just made one earlier in the week, didn't bother to check the inactives, the roster movements. And so if you're, if you're a good uh, DFS player, if you're somebody who's active and and making sure that, you know, your lineups are set going right into game time, uh, I think there's a great chance to win some money this week. Yeah. Let's stay optimistic Connor. I think we got a couple good ones and, uh, but keep the keep it rolling. We've been doing really well in our DFS um, and and our picks. So let's uh, let's keep it hot. We're at all things analysis. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby! All right, Connor, go Colts! <laughs> all right.
that's uh that's gonna do it for Connor here on Vicious Talk with Betty P. Connor is no longer invited back to the podcast. And <laughs> I'm gonna lose this week in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, on the bye, he's gonna get eliminated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Let's go do it for week 15. Uh send us home with a little bit of all things analysis promo. What do you got for ATA this week? Absolutely. So, you know, like I said, last minute DFS changes are going to be occurring, but we're going to post those lineups, you know, usually within an hour of game time and at least an hour before, if not the night before most instances, but tomorrow I'm going to wait, wait as long as we can because of all the roster changes. So once the, uh, what is it? The, the hour before the games kick off, there's the inactives that come out. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that on our social media, as well as on our website. Uh, and then Ben obviously has his awesome best bets article as well as the ATA picks against the spread, which we've been publishing on a weekly basis. So that'll be on the website. That's allthingsanalysis.com. And of course, you got to listen to Vicious Talk with Benny P, baby. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we still haven't had anybody message us on Instagram for, for free all things analysis gear. I mean, all you got to do, take a screenshot <laughs> of a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Just give us a five-star rating and we will, Connor will go ahead and send you a free vicious talk with Betty P shirt or all things analysis shirt, whatever he's got in his inventory and uh, we're, we'll hook it up, you know, support us and we'll support you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, like we have been all year long with this great fantasy advice and great gambling tips and great analytical <laughs> content. Yeah. We're, we're, we're free, you know, help us help you, you know, <laughs> um, you know, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on all your podcast platforms. We really appreciate all that support. And we're going to keep it rolling here in week 15. Connor, good luck to you in uh, all your gambling and fantasy football endeavors. And good luck to our listeners. I'll send us out with, you know, don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? Vicious.